You're listening to War Dogs Podcast. During the Vietnam War, through the hours of darkness, over 500 sentry dogs and their handlers patrolled along the perimeters of U.S. Air Force bases. These are their stories. Here's your host, Tom Shamba. Hello, this is Tom Shambo from War Dogs, and if you're a new listener, welcome. Today's going to be an unusual podcast. As you know, we've always done sentry dog handlers, patrol dog handlers, and scout dog handlers. Today, I ventured off to talk to a Korean War veteran. John Levi is a Korean War veteran who was there at the beginning of the Korean War, starting in June of 1950. And he has told me some very interesting stories, worthy of all of our listeners. The history that he has is amazing. So let's get started. Uh, the war started uh, in June of 1950 over in Korea. What were you doing then? I was at uh, Bethesda Naval Medical Center on Washington, D.C. I was stationed there. And you did, what was your, your MOS? Your My MOS was, uh, I was a clerical, a psychiatric clerical technician. And then did you volunteer then to go to Korea? Or they volunteered me. They volunteered you, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually how it goes. So when did that happen? What, what 1950. Part? Oh, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. They were calling up corpsmen from all over the world, ships, hospitals, clinics, wow. wherever they could get corpsmen. So did you work then with the Marines in the field? No, I, uh, I went to Camp Pendleton and uh, was assigned to the uh, 1st Marine Division as a corpsman. Yeah, you Navy guys get the luck out that way, don't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Now, uh, when we got to Camp Pendleton, we were assigned to different companies and battalions, regiments, and uh, our uh, regimental commander was Chesty Puller. Have you ever heard of him? No, I haven't. The most decorated Marine, most decorated Marine in Marine Corps history. Wow. And, and you served with his unit? He served in that regiment, yeah, 1st Marines. So you left Camp Pendleton? Went to Korea? Yeah. Uh, Marines obviously fight in the field, so you're with them to, to take care of them. Uh, how long were you in Korea? I was in there eight months, eight months, from Incheon clear through till May the following year, 51. So, so that I was in four campaigns, four battles. That was right at the toughest time. That's when... Uh, China and Russia were uh, backing up the North right, Koreans. Right. And you came in, uh, South Koreans weren't doing very good. And uh, you guys uh, took care of that line. Well, it's a long story. We could, uh, I could probably start from the beginning. Do that, would you? And, uh, well, I was at Bethesda at the Naval Medical Center. And I got orders to Camp Pendleton, 1st First, First Marine Division. 
And when I got to Camp Pendleton, I was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division. And we had, uh, well, we didn't have any training as far as uh, combat or anything like that. We were just assigned to our uh, our regiment and our battalion. And I was assigned to the H&S Company, Headquarters and Supply. In the battalion aid and uh, I think we were there about 15 days maybe less than that the next thing I knew August 7th we are on a ship going to Kobe Japan yeah and it took about a 14 day ship uh -huh. a lot of a lot of people got seasick, including myself, and I never wanted to be, I never wanted to be a ship sailor after that. I was just glad I was with the Marines. Yeah. So after Kobe, we had about three or four days, and then they said, well, we're boarding, we're going. They didn't tell us what we were going to do until the day we were on the ship and they said we're going into Korea a place called Incheon and that was September the 15th I was on an LST and it was an old old LST from World War II and we had a little mechanical trouble so they had to kind of tow us into the Incheon Harbor so that was on about the 14th of uh, September. So in the morning of the 15th, there was so much noise, heavy bombardment, and planes going in and strafing. And uh, the 5th Marines went in early that morning because of the tide. They had the tide was a big factor because it rose so quickly and and went down so quickly. So we were uh, scheduled to go in at 4.30 in the afternoon. In the meantime, I was watching these other units going in, in those uh, Amtraks. And uh, as I was watching them, I'm saying, I hope this isn't another Iwo Jima or Tarawa or Saipan. And uh, evidently they secured the beachhead. The Marines that went in that morning secured the beachhead. So we went and got on our Amtraks on the LST. And then when the ramp went down, we were in this floating Amtrak. And I thought we were just going to go right down to the bottom of the sea. But we went in, we went to the, we went to the wrong beach at first. We were on Blue Beach and uh, we finally got on to the beach. And there was no resistance or anything because they had really shelled Inchon and that first uh, group that went in secured the beach. So we were there, and I, I was with a, 
an old buddy that I was serving with in Bethesda that uh, had already been with the Fleet Marine Force. And I was so happy to be with him. So we were assigned to our different uh, units and everything. So when we got in, uh, we asked each other, what are, we, what are we doing here? What the hell are we here for? <laughs> so, you know, and Korea never heard of it before. Didn't know where it was. Didn't know the people. And the first thing that I <laughs> caught my attention was the smell. Because of the, uh, the fertilizer, the human, the fertilizer crops. So that was one of the first things my of uh, Korea. The first thing I knew about Korea was the smell and all the destruction and all the noise. And the battleships were shelling and the Corsairs were going in. So we were spent the night and Next day we were assigned to the main line of resistance, uh, the main route into Seoul. And uh, just history-wise, the North Koreans had taken Seoul yes, by that time. Yes. And your job was the to take it back. Take it back. Okay. Am I on the camera now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, we were on that... Uh, the MRI, the main uh, road to Seoul, and uh, we, uh, the second day we came into our first, uh, first contact with, uh, we got a lot of mortars coming in, and uh, they, one of the uh, companies had already knocked out three tanks, North Korean tanks. So we were able to, uh, after they cleared that all away, we started going in, into Seoul. And uh, there was a village called Yongdongpo, which was the outskirts. And that's where the resistance really hit as far as uh, 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 North Korean combat units were there. And our casualties were starting to come in now. And I was at that battalion aid station uh, on the main road, and we were getting casualties in. We had a helicopter come in and take out the casualties. But there was a lot of casualties going on, coming in at that time. So my buddy and I were treating these wounded and uh, they said they need corpsmen up front there because there's a lot of casualties. So my buddy says, come on, John, let's go. I says, what? I got, I'm got. treating this guy. He says, oh, but we got to go. He says, I'm going to go. So he went. And uh, I didn't see him again for 50 years. He got wounded at Yongalpo. And I didn't see him again until 50 years here in Arizona. And uh, after that skirmish at Yongdongpo, we went into Seoul. 
and we were in Seoul on a Sunday morning, and we had to cross the Han River. And then we were using the uh, Amtrak's then too. And at that time, we started getting sniper fire. And you can tell when a sniper's got you in his sights because you you hear that, you know. And I, I was very fortunate there too because then we went into Seoul in the middle about in the afternoon sometime. And when it got dark, there was a lot of uh, uh, artillery going in and things like that. And they kind of leveled Seoul. It was just, everything was destroyed. And we didn't see very many people. But as we were going through Seoul, there was a lot of casualties with the snipers. So... So as a medic, were you supply with all the gear necessary to take care of yeah, any bag. casualties? Just a medical bag with a wound, a morphine and bandages and all the things that we needed. In the movies, you always see a wounded soldier and a corpsman show yeah. up and Give him a shot of morphine to, to reduce the pain and yeah. start to take care of him. Is that similar to what you did? Yeah, that's what we did. And then you have uh, your plasma too, your blood plasma, and, you know, giving them blood and things like that. You had all that available too. Yeah, that was available. But in the heat of battle, you know, there's so much chaos going on. So, yeah, it was... You were you were there in August, in September. On September was Inchon, what was the September weather 15th. like with crossing the river? It was uh, drizzling when we cold. Yeah, it was not cold because it was August or September, but there was uh, it was kind of chilly. Yeah, and then when we got into Seoul, we had to go through a lot of barricades that they had set up. And so the tanks had to come through and clear clear that. And then you, the uh, troops had to go in and clear out the snipers and everything. When you, when you started going uh, from where you landed all the way to Seoul, that was a walking march? Yes, I mean, it was. You don't get to hitchhike and get the car and say, hey, take me down no, to Seoul, drop no, me off. No, no, no. I think that, I think it's... That's a piece of history people don't realize how many miles a yeah. soldier will walk oh, yes. uh, to, to fight in combat, I mean, mm -hmm. to go into a battle. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know exactly the distance, but do you remember how far that was from where you landed? It had to be about uh, 30 miles. 30 miles you walked. Mm -hmm. And during the warm days, obviously, uh, Fairly warm nights. What was the what was the uh, weather like around there? The uh, the atmosphere. I mean, weather like when I was in Vietnam, we had mosquitoes, had tail uh, yeah, numbers on yeah. them and stuff. There was no tents or anything. We we were in foxholes. We had to dig in, and uh, that's where we slipped and everything. Did you and start? Gate talks about the thirtieth parallel and digging yeah. trenches. Yeah. Were you part of that no, group that no, started doing that? That's the ones I remember coming back from the reservoir. 
Yeah. Um, what when you went into combat in Seoul, how how much of a unit were you with? Were you? I was a in small the battalion aide. Yeah, but were that you with? Was a, a, I was back. Oh, you were back at a medic medic unit in, in a battalion aid station. Kind of like a mash tent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And casualties were coming in. You didn't. You never did go like your buddy and go out on the front line. No, uh -uh. Okay. because he. He called me and said, "Let's go. They need us." But he went. He was up there with the line company. Where That's he was, once. he was doing medic work right there in right the field. Right there, right there, as as Marines got hit, he was taking care of them. And then, uh, how a, long did it take Seoul back? How long oh, did it, it take? Took, uh, about three days. Three days. And then once you accomplished that, then what we did accomplished you do? That we. We organized and got on a ship, went clear around Korea, and went back and forth on the, on the uh, east side because the port that we were going to land at was heavily mined, so it took those days to get those mines out of there. In the meantime, the army had already gone through, followed us through, and went on up. And they were at Wonsan where we when we landed. So So they were they were already building the line, pushing them back. We got did we get to the thirtieth parallel and stop or did we go beyond that and then end up coming back? We're not out there yet. We're okay. still going north. We're still going north at Wonsan. We uh, regrouped, got ready, and uh, MacArthur said we're going to go north. And he didn't. He, he should have listened to his intelligence. The intelligence were poor. They said the Chinese were going to come in. And he didn't really believe, I guess, his uh, general officers didn't give him the correct information of all the Chinese that were coming in. So up to that point, you'd been fighting Korean. Uh, yeah, North Koreans. Korean, and now they were going to get supported by the Chinese. They're going to get supported by the Chinese. In a big way. In a big, big way. Yes, and Russia got involved also. Were they? Yeah, their plane, their planes started coming in. So the supporting. Russians supplied was, air. Support. They had uh, MiGs, and we had our our fighters that were there. So uh, after Wonsan, we went up to Hangnam, which is a big port way up in North Korea, and from there we moved on up slowly toward the Chosen Reservoir. When we got up to Chosen Reservoir, the 5th uh, and 7th Marines went on up to the reservoir, and my unit, the 1st uh, Marines, was the uh, kind of a reserve. We were set up at Coterie, which was about 15, 20 miles from the reservoir. So, 
you were back up with the oh, support? Yeah. yeah, we were supporting. We were ready to go. Well, some of our units were, were called to go on up anyhow. So we were there and uh, starting to get cold. Spent Thanksgiving in a foxhole and uh, they had good, uh, a real nice turkey Thanksgiving dinner. And by the time you got it, it was froze almost. But anyway, it was real, real nice. So. Did, when you were in the field, when I was in the field, we had sea rations from World War II. Yeah. And we would heat our sea rations yeah. with, usually with a cotton ball and some uh, alcohol. Yeah, yeah. They Did you do that little, in the foxholes? They had little, uh, those little, I don't know, burners like it. You could put a can on the top and it would warm it up and everything. Yeah, but with sea rations, I lived on sea rations. My Best diet I ever was on. Oh, yeah. My favorite was the beans, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, you know what it was like. It was, but anyway, and it was getting cold. And we're into what month? Late September. Was, October? We're up in December now. Oh, December. December. Yeah, December twenty fifth. I think. I know about December seventeenth, and that's when they they really surrounded them. The, the Marines that were up there, they surrounded them. And I think a lot of casualties were coming in then. We got some Chinese prisoners. I saw them. And their feet were caked with ice. They didn't have uh, shoes. They had those little tennis shoes. But their feet were caked with ice. and I felt so sorry for them. But we were in the same... Boat as they were too, you know, so cold. Yeah. Well, how how did that impact our soldiers? Uh, uh, we know I did a World War II soldier not long ago, and he about lost both of his feet crossing yeah. the river over in yeah. North Africa. Is that similar to what you guys ran into in December, January over there? The was cold it? weather. Yeah, it was. Did you get some casualties out of probably that? Probably one of the coldest winters in Korea. And a lot of our casualties was frostbite. Frostbite, yeah. I think Gabe talked about that with his hands. Yeah, for and, and his feet. And I got some frostbite and got a little disability out of it. But uh, it's that cold weather that was the, and the, and the, and the casualties that came in. They had a landing strip up there that uh, were able to evacuate a lot of casualties. I don't. I don't think people understand. You know, when we're out there, I was just talking to a friend of mine in New York during the monsoons in Vietnam. It it didn't pay to put a poncho on. There no, because you're in you go wet anyway. Yeah. So you must take your shirt off and enjoy yeah, the rain. Yeah, and we didn't. Cold for us was maybe seventy degrees, yeah. but. I don't think people realize uh, World War II, Korea, how cold it was and how our soldiers endured. Yeah, and it wasn't the, like... Everything froze up. The trucks froze up. The ammunition froze up. 
weapons froze up. You couldn't go inside and just kind of warm up a little bit. Well, we had warming tents. And at the battalion aid, we had our, our tent to take care of the casualties. stuff. Mm -hmm. Had you, you know, a good technique to take care of frostbite is warm oxygen. Warm, warm them, get them in, get them inside, get blankets on them, get, get that, get that uh, warmth into their body. Mm -hmm. What, what percentage of your casualties during the winter did you see? I'd say 50%. For frostbite. Frostbite. Versus wounds or anything wounds. else. And the cold weather helped some of the wounds because it froze the the uh, blood the blood before it. Yeah, and the the uh, morphine we had to carry in our mouth because it would freeze. Yeah, it's another thing that people who have not experienced those kind of battles understand. What you had to go through, yes, even to just help somebody, yeah, you know, you, you had to keep the morphine warm by putting yeah. it in your mouth, yeah, and it certainly wasn't warm on your body outside yeah. either. So, no. the conditions you had to work in, yeah, yeah, were rather uh trying. And I, how long during that winter period, uh, did you serve in the cold? I mean, in the, the cold, I think probably about from uh. 27th of no November, or yeah, November till the 7th of December, I think, that, that period, between that period, yeah. And, and I think, how did that impact the combat? You know, I just read a book on, on the Civil War, uh, or the War of England, and Washington's men, during the winter, they quit fighting, you know, because they didn't have shoes, they yeah, didn't have blankets. that's right. So they just huddled down that's, for the winter, uh -huh. and so did the English. Yeah. How how was that in Korea? Did, well, it, did it impact the Chinese that way? The Chinese didn't have the uh, the equipment and clothing and things that we had. Plus, they were under attack every day by our corsairs going in and finding them. Mm -hmm. So we had a pretty good fighter squadron over good there. Good fight, good corsairs saved our, our our butt. Yeah, and then they started dropping uh, supplies to us, and some of the supplies landed in enemy territory, but most of it landed, and a couple of the parachutes landed on in some of our tents. Or our men were too, so that was bad. Yeah. So you were there for eight months, so you got there in, in, in August, September. November, and, November. And you, spring started to come, battle started to pick yeah. up. By that time, we, we got evacuated from the Chosen Reservoir and came back, reassembled down near Pusan, and that was in January and February. Then we started pushing up because the Chinese and the North Koreans had already retaken Seoul, and they were already coming down.
So we were going up now and got a new commander. Uh, I forget what his name was. Uh, MacArthur was relieved of his duties and we got a good general in there. Army general knew what he was doing and so we went up. So you had to retake Seoul? Retake Seoul. Mm -hmm. And push him back again. Push him back. But a lot of that fighting between that time period uh, in the spring was mainly trench warfare like World War II. Bunkers and things like that. Because the Chinese would set up and everything. And the movies, Pork Chop Hill, Hamburger Hill, not Hamburger Hill, but Pork Chop Hill and those uh, trench uh, where they had to have frontal, frontal attacks. And my neighbor right across the street was with, was with that Marine group. Yeah. So the Chinese had established trenches? Yeah. And then you had to go trench take... Trench warfare, yeah. On the mountains, on the mountaintops. Uh, Gay talks about having trenches that he dug. Were those trenches the Chinese originally dug and they were captured? They were dug in, yeah. Bunkers, little bunkers. So you didn't do any of that? No, no. Where were you located at when they By that time, I was... Transferred from the battalion aid, I went up to a line company, to the front front lines, with a company up there. Different different atmosphere. Different atmosphere, right? So would they just bring the wounded right back to you, and you took care of them right there? Took care of them right there, and then they evacuated them to the battalion aid or hospital ship or something. Yeah. Yeah, did did they have? What I remember seeing, like in movies, they had jeeps with the uh, bed, yeah, things on them. Mesh. Yeah, is that kind of similar? Yeah, to it was kind of similar to mesh. Yeah, yeah. What's it? What's the one ridge? Something ridge. Heartbreak ridge. Yeah, was yeah. it similar to that with the yeah. front lines? That's it. That's that front line battles. Yeah, that that had to be the worst. Yeah, combat. But the the main thing I remember about Korea, though, is the Marine casualties and all the suffering by the by our Marines and and the people, the refugees that tried to follow us out of North Korea, thousands, thousands. Babies, old men, a lot of women. Their suffering was bad, bad. Well, there was a lot of starvation during that period. Oh yes. Did we did we support uh, them with food and supplies? Well, what we could. Yeah, what we could, because we had uh, South Korean troops with us too. You know. Interpreters, right? Yeah, Gates said he had four Korean uh, soldiers with him. 
Yeah. What they call them? Tosh? Yeah. Something like that. They carried ammunition and and uh, kind of did the hard work. So you were a medic and a corpsman. What type of uh, procedures did you do as a corpsman? Stitching people up? No, no. Dressing the wounds and, and making sure that they weren't suffering and morphine morphine and things like that bandages because we had doctors with us we had a doctor with us and we had senior corpsmen that had we had some guys that would were already in world war ii that had been called up reserves we had a lot of those old vets really helped because they knew what was going on well i think when you're in a trauma unit like that uh, I was an EMT for a number of years and um, went to some pretty severe accidents. And you, you do what you can, like you did, you know, mm-hmm. bandages and stop the bleeding. Yeah, stop the bleeding. And but sure. uh, guys that had been in combat had so much more experience. Oh, in, in yes. That's, that's where that, those World War II veterans helped us. I didn't have any combat training, medical training. I was pulled out of a Bethesda Naval Medical Center where I had everything. <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, I was on a, <laughs> a ship. <laughs> on a ship, and the next thing I knew, bullets were flying over and everything. Yeah. So did you you yourself ever have to go into combat? Did you Did you fire a weapon in combat? No, I had my weapon with me all the time, especially on uh, night duty in a foxhole with a, with with another Marine, our two Marines. We were, you know, in case of a uh, attack or something, we were ready. Yeah, I was ready. Yeah. Slept good that night, didn't you? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but one night, artillery really came in on us, and that was... Fear that was scary, scary stuff. Yeah, I think when you first experience one hundred five howitzers going off over yeah. your head or rockets yeah. coming yeah. in, and it's landing a, right around you. It's a different, yeah. different life <laughs> experience. A lot of prayers went up. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't believe in God when you went over there, you certainly did by the time you came home. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, one of the questions I always ask all the veterans that I've talked to is, after you've been in combat, you know, PTSD is a big issue today. Uh, back in our day, we just got drunk and yeah, yeah. Fought, fought with people and yeah. handled it that yeah. way. Uh, what was it like when you came home? Did, did you suffer from Yes, all I the... did. Yes, I did. Yep. So what did you do about it? I just... Tried to keep busy and keep it out of my mind. And like you said, I did have a little alcohol trouble, but at the PS, that's bad stuff. I had a lot of anger issues. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like bosses really yeah, well. Yeah. I still have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> did you deal with that thing? I, everybody I've talked to in 13 uh, veterans so far. From World War II to Iraq, 
all have experienced that same, mostly drugs. Iraq is more marijuana, yeah. drugs, but we all go through that same scenario. Yeah. It's just amazing. It is. And then how long do you think you went through that to where you could say, doesn't bother me anymore? Oh, gosh, it took a long time. Ten years, probably. Yeah. Still, still, I still have trouble. Do you have dreams still at night? Do you go through that? Uh, I've, I've, I've had dreams, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get that stuff out of your head sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But what's helped me a lot is uh, my good friends, my buddies that were there, and we get together, and you know, like uh, in Tucson, I have a lot of Mexican brothers, Marines that were there, and get together with the. Well, I did get together with them. Most of them are gone now. So, but it does it does you good to share those stories oh, with definitely. each other. Definitely, you know, to see yeah how each other gets through that. That's why I belong to the chosen few. That organization. Tell me about that. I That's, I don't know that the chosen I... few is a organization of veterans that were in that battle at the chosen reservoir. Yeah. How many of you are there today? Today, I don't know, probably about uh, 5,000 maybe. They have a reunion every every year. Do you go? I went to the last one in uh, San Diego. That was about three or four years ago. Yeah. They were going to have one this coming November, I guess. Yeah. They're nice. We have an annual dog handlers reunion yeah. too. Same thing. We like to get together and uh, from all the branches. We have the yeah. Marines and the Army. No, Navy. it's yeah. Chosen few is just the just chosen few. Yeah, and that was all to deal with the reservoir. Yep. The how battle. many? How many were in that battle? Do you know? No, I don't know. Any idea? I bet I can look it up. I know there was an Army unit. That was up there on the other side of the reservoir. And they got almost wiped out. They were coming through our lines and getting treated. And that they got, they were really bad. What, what, do you, what can you tell me about uh, being over there? Um, that we haven't shared yet, that really impacted maybe the outcome of the of the war in general, or um, how it impacted our soldiers. Well, I think I think we saved Korea as far as a a country, and uh, the Korean people are so appreciative. I've gone back on a reunion in 2000, and they were treated as royally. There was nothing they couldn't do for us. Yeah. Well, this is the 70th year. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, 
July 27th. Yep. What's the big plan for that? 25th, uh, yeah. Any big plans for the 70th reunion? 70th anniversary, whatever you call it? I was interviewed to, I think, f five years ago at one of the reunions. And uh, it's on, I can get it on the website. It's uh, John Levi Korea Legacy. And, it, and it's an interview just like we had today. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's always, it's Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> when we were up there and they were calling for ammunition coming in, they called back and the code sign, the code sign for ammunition, howitzer ammunition, Tootsie Roll. So some young army guy or something that was at the uh, depot said they need Tootsie Rolls up there. The next thing you know, they were parachuting Tootsie Rolls down to us. <laughs> and and every year they send us, Marianne? <laughs> uh, that Tootsie Roll thing over there. See where it says Tootsie? Yeah. You can get that and see what it, show them where it came from. That, on the bottom. Right there, yeah. Anyway, that that company comes to all their reunions and stuff. See that comes from. And I think I think that. Oh, I thought the write-up was in here. Yeah. There you go. Uh, can you get a picture of that? Because I can't hold it in. <laughs> can't take a picture. <laughs> what do I do with my phone? That is so cool. Yeah. And that's our uh, insignia. And they and they do that every year. They just... every year. Yeah. That was that's quite a story. I mean, uh, it is quite a story. Did you shows, read it? Shows you how how well uh, communications is sometimes <laughs> in combat. <laughs> Yeah. You got exactly what you asked for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think anything else, if nothing else? Nothing else that I can tell you. It's, it's all in that article there. In that.